0: SQL Down Under is a podcast for professionals working in the SQL Server community. SQL Server is a trademark of Microsoft Corporation. Opinions expressed during the podcast are individual opinions and may not reflect the opinions of SQL Down Under or of Microsoft Corporation. Introducing Show 67 with guest Casper de Jong. Casper Dion. Casper's in the SQL Server product team, and welcome, Casper.
1: All right, thanks, Greg, for having me. Uh, so, oh, my name is Casper.
0: Sorry. Sorry.
1: Yeah. So, uh, my name is Casper Dion, and I am currently a senior program manager on the Analysis Services team. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've been working on SQL Server for the last five years. I have joined Microsoft like five and a half years ago. Yeah, uh, And I moved from the Netherlands to here to work on mostly Power Pivot back then. I was really uh, mm-hmm. smitten with that product, uh, and, I, and I really wanted to work on it. And before that, I was actually a consultant, like probably most of you, working yeah. on implementing analysis services and working on Power Pivot and, and doing all these cool things. Uh, so yeah, that, w- that was really cool. and. Uh, I got the opportunity to work here in 2010 after I met several of uh, the program, the product team members, mm-hmm. people like Cody, who was still on the product team then, uh, and I met them at Ticket, and we started talking. And back then, I started blogging as well about Power Pivot and and our mm-hmm. services. And some of the people on the product team had seen that blog and written, read it, and uh, and I was there like in June. And then... uh, pro-
0: June and there you are.
1: Yeah, and there, and there I was. I was things like probably four months later. I was here in the US. Mm. Uh, moved with the family across the across the ocean and uh, started working at Microsoft, which is pretty amazing. Uh, yeah. I still don't believe it today that I get to work here <laughs> yeah. with all these smart people.
0: <laughs> and so, predominantly working in around the analysis services areas at the moment.
1: I uh, so I've done a bunch of things. So when I started, mm-hmm. uh, we were doing actually SQL Server 2012, the first release mm-hmm. of hardware model. Yeah, uh, so I worked on that. I worked on some of the, the tools and the UI and some of the features. Uh, after that, I've worked on Power Pivot for Office 15. So when we shipped mm-hmm. Office 15, uh, I worked on PowerPivot features for that. And then after that, we have worked on Mostly, a lot of the time was spent on Power BI. Uh, mm. Power BI for, for the sixty-five, um, Several other things that we've worked on that actually probably have never shipped. So, I'll, I'll, I'll keep quiet on those, but... Uh, yeah,
0: that's <laughs> That happens so with any company. But,
1: yeah, uh, yeah so then uh, Power BI. Uh, so, I worked actually on a bunch of different things in Power BI as well. I started out in Power BI on the REST APIs.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: so, I worked on that for a while. And I've also worked on Power Desktop uh, before coming back to SQL Server Analysis Services that now ships in SQL Server 2016. Mm. Uh, and it's pretty cool because I'm now the kind of the PM responsible for shipping what what we deciding what things we're, we're going to do with now mm. Services.
0: Yeah, look, it it looks like a, a pretty exciting time actually with with that part of the product there. It's a, it's another one where. If I look at, um, things that are coming in 2016, there, there are so many things in and around analysis services I'm looking forward to. I mean, I have to say reporting services is the one that, that, you know, has just been very quiet yeah. and now has had an amazing shot in the arm, uh, in this, in this version. But listen, we still have two flavors of analysis services. So we, we've still got the tabular model and we have still have previously the multi dimensional models. What we tend to do in consulting work is I tend to work with tabular models all the time unless I have to use a multidimensional model. And the, the number of times that I have to do that is getting smaller and smaller. And I'm just sort of wondering, like, what's your take on, you know, if someone was starting a new project today, what should they be doing?
1: I think it probably the biggest question you have to answer yourself is okay, what are some of the capabilities that I have? Well, actually, probably the first the first question you probably should ask yourself is, what am I comfortable with? Because mm-hmm. uh, the interesting thing that that we see a lot these days is actually people who are building models that are not like you and I, who have not mm-hmm. a BI background, and they're yeah. finance guys, and we actually mm-hmm. have some several. Big model, temporal models, running inside of Microsoft that Satya uses every day, that are built mm. by people formerly working in Excel the entire mm. day, yep. and they don't—they don't even know what multidimensional is really. They—they they don't really know, mm. know what the multidimensional models are and and how it works. They know Excel, yep. they know tables and relationships, and they're pretty much more comfortable with that. So mm. I would think probably the first question is, what am I comfortable with, and what do I know? Yep. But definitely if you are more the traditional BI guy, like I am and, and mm-hmm. you are, then it probably is all about what do I need to go do for this customer. Yeah. Especially if it's more complicated, um, you need some of the advanced features that multidimensionalists will offer, or you're just more comfortable with multidimensional models. And mm. I would definitely say stick around with multidimensional models. Yeah, uh, but
0: Yeah. I found the, as I said, the number of reasons for making that change, though, is getting smaller. And uh, so what do you think is sort of any notable things that would push you towards multi-dimensional at this stage?
1: Uh, I think some of the more complicated, well, if you, like, for example, one of the things that we're dearly missing today in tabular is when you really have a super big model with, like, hundreds of calculations, mm-hmm. the manageability becomes a little bit of a, an issue. Yeah. Uh, where with multi-dimensional models you can just create some calculated numbers and I mean, it makes the manageability building of those big models just easier. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also if you do things like custom aggregation, custom roll-ups and, and, and more of the financial type uh company like uh, the, the balance flows and, and mm-hmm. all these kinds of things are just easier to do in, in, uh, in multi-dimensional models. Mm-hmm. And more of the parent-child relationships and like the little bit more mm. complicated models
0: yep. are probably more suited in multidimensional models. Mm. Do you and do you think size of the model uh, still leans either way? Um, oh, so not of the model of the data. Actually, I'm thinking the the thing I sort of find is that it there was always this sort of perception that the very biggest ones needed to be multidimensional because again it's. Uh, I suppose it's very disk-oriented, um, the way it does all the things. Um, but Tabular tends to have such a high degree of compression, and the amount of memory on these servers is going up. So, it, you know, we're just sort of we finding seen, more and more. Hmm.
1: We, we definitely have seen some customers who have, like, multi-terabyte models for Tabular as well. Mm-hmm. and they they're, they're really successful with it. So... Uh But I think, in general, to make it perform on that size, you probably need a little bit more work on Tabular than what you would need for multi-dimensional, mm-hmm. because, yep. yeah, it's, you can tune it a little bit more. And those are actually some of the things that we'll be looking at going forward for mm. Tabular as well, to make that easier, and to make it easier to work with larger-scale models.
0: Mm. The, the other thing that I notice very different between the two Uh, is the time to deliver a solution. And I'm I'm finding that the Tabula projects seem to get completed much faster.
1: Yeah, that's kind of like the whole reason of it it existing. The Mm. way we we usually see it is like the... And especially I know when we just started with Tabula in 2012, one of the biggest things that we were saying is it is much more agile. The way that we want you to develop, it's not like necessarily... The traditional IT projects like what you have you mm. have. It's more agile. It's more you can have business users work on Excel files and they make some changes and they want to add that to the model, but it's pretty straightforward. You just copy and paste and you go. Mm. Uh so it's much more agile and it's more agile development that we want to achieve with the tabular models than the it's it's mm. it's
0: uh Yeah, the, look the uh, large the larger I see people building larger, larger projects like a sort of more like a traditional waterfall type approach. And, and generally, I, I don't find those projects all that successful. In fact, I, I was reading some things from a data warehousing conference yesterday where they were saying uh, something like 30% of those projects met or exceeded uh, the yeah. expectations. 50% of them didn't meet uh, or they met some of the expectations but still had a long way to go. And twenty percent were sort of abject failures, and so the 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 thing I find is that the track record in the industry of building a lot of these projects is not very strong um and the thing I like with the the tabular one is it tends to encourage more of a an iterative development in your face with the users and that and that tends to lead to something that that you know is is yeah. much more successful
1: I think also that's what we definitely try to achieve because uh that's why we haven't implemented some of the features that we, got, that we want. Like, for example, in mm-hmm. multidimensional, uh, it's so easy to do hierarchical calculations. Yeah. It's harder to do that in tabular. And the reason why it is easier in multidimensional is because you have to model up front, right? You need to mm-hmm. have attribute relationships defined. Like, it needs to be perfect because otherwise your model just the yeah. not process. This means mm-hmm. that you need to do a lot of modeling up front before you can even go to a calculation. Vocabulary, yeah. it's much more freestyle and free form, but it also has mm. the benefit, the, the, the downside of now the calculations after the fact are might be a little bit more hard in this area. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. So we, we, we definitely do not want to go into, uh, we want to be able to get the same expressivity, the, the same uh, way for you to express what you want to mm. do with the model itself, but yep. I. We don't want to make it as complicated to build
0: it. Yeah. So
1: some of the things that we
0: definitely... I was going to say, one of the things that we find seems to work really well, it was interesting you mentioned the the link to Excel, but one of the things I find works really, really well nowadays is I often start with Excel, um, sit down with the users, and the, the nice thing with Excel is it's really quick to m- mock up data. Um, yeah. So you can sort of build data that looks a bit realistic fairly quickly. And then at least if I'm then showing them things and then they can see what the outcome would look like, uh, it's far quicker to get closer to what exactly it is that somebody wants.
1: Yeah. And uh, that's another thing that we don't have right now is like that same experience with Power BI.
0: Mm.
1: Because we only support Excel files, we do not support Power BI desktop files yet. Yeah. That's also something that we're going to work on after SQL 16 chips. Mm. So that's going to be the first
0: things that we're going to have to show up yeah now as I said, I find that that's really really useful and the the thing that's kind of nice with that is that uh you, you can start to immediately show people things and get feedback immediately and just keep varying it and then of course you've got the ability to perhaps even start with that model as a starting point once you then start uh, working yeah, on exactly. the tabular project yeah mm. and then so we also the, yeah, find that like- that's a big benefit.
1: And that's also I find like, uh, and especially it's probably more interesting for the consultants out there who want to sell this. But mm. usually this is a great selling story as well. Like you can get both IT and the business team happy with this approach. That you can t- yeah. talk about it in, as being an agile approach. I do a lot of uh, we have like some of the really big customers of the world that come into Microsoft and then they have sessions with us, mm. uh, and this is usually the story that we tell. And we usually see a lot of the IT uh, guys and and, and business be able to look each other in the eye and say, yeah, that makes a lot of sense that we can work together on this, Mm. Uh, much more than the traditional agile, uh, the traditional
0: waterfall methods. Mm. Yeah, no, that's actually, it's been a great story uh, in in terms of, uh, and the, um, I suppose the thing is that, uh, the thing that's always a problem with any big model is that, uh, when it's built from scratch, is that people they simply can't describe what they want, and and that's I suppose the, the whole argument about the agile sort of yes. approach. The yes, yeah. the because uh, even if you built exactly what they asked for. It won't be what they want. Um, cause, you yeah. know, like they will, they will say the word sales, but they will actually mean profit or, yeah. <laughs> but, but, but the wrong word came out of their mouths, you know, and, and so the thing is, no matter what you did to build that until they sit down and look at it and go, Oh, no, 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 I meant the profit. Um, you have to have that sort of interactive development to, to have any chance of giving them what they want.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I was saying, uh, so today we have this uh, story working pretty well in like uh, uh, when you have Power for SharePoint. Uh, mm-hmm. So you, you go into that area where you have your Power workbook files and you upload to SharePoint and then people can look at the statistics and what's being used as well in the Power management dashboard. Mm. Uh, and then you can actually pick out, like IT can go in and say, okay, yeah, these guys are working on this model, but it doesn't look like it's an ad hoc question anymore. It's more like mm. the building everyone in the organization is now using this workbook. That's probably something we should take, and, take a look at.
2: Mm.
1: Uh, we used to have that story fully working in SharePoint, and we still do. But now Power BI is also starting with this approach. I don't know if you've seen yeah. it. it's released. Like this week, uh, there's also now the starting of a management dashboard in Power BI. So you can mm. kind of get, start seeing that this same approach is, will be able to be done there as well. So you give Power BI to your organization. They can do ad hoc analysis. They can do whatever they want, self-service business intelligence, there's still the need of someone to keep an eye out on what's going on and potentially move Mm. that over into a more corporate branded semantic model.
0: Mm. Yeah, I think, look, I I never knock the idea of people, uh, some people get concerned that, when people start building things ad up, you know, ad hoc, that you you can end up with a mess and so on. But the the thing I look at it's the same criticism I used to see where people would knock say Access, for example, as opposed to you know don't start with that. I mean, you know, just go and build things in SQL Server. But the thing I look at is there's so many projects in SQL Server that would have never existed if someone hadn't mocked it up in Access or something in the first place. Yeah. And, and they've sort of established a business need in a case independently, uh, which has then been able to go on and sort of become a corporatized sort of thing later. And I, I think there's a, a real benefit to that. The, the only thing I find is that even with PowerPivot, we used to find that the BAs and people would happily do all the charting, the reporting, the tables, uh, all the different things, but a lot of them didn't want to do the modeling. Mm-hmm, uh, yeah. Even though it well, was actually- fairly easy. Hmm.
1: It makes a lot of sense because, and that's usually what I tell people here, I've done a session at TechEd like in 2012 and Mm. about actually building a model. And what I usually tell say there is because it's not in their best interest and they don't necessarily care about the model because what happens Mm. is the boss comes in their office and tells them, I need to get this number or this chart by the end of the day. Mm. And they do it. They just get that chart done. No, Mm. come hell or high water, it gets done. But they don't care how they model it. Hmm. But for a BI professional, someone who actually has to build the model, it's a different story because he needs to be able for someone, some user in the organization who doesn't know the data as well, he needs to be able to understand the data by looking at the, the schema. He needs to be able to combine this measure with this attribute and this attribute from this dimension and this slideshow and all needs to work. The analyst doesn't care about that stuff because it's just yeah. him he's using.
2: Mm. So it's
1: definitely, uh, that's usually the, where we say that this is the big difference between, uh, self-service business intelligence in Pivot and building an analyst mm. services models.
0: Yeah, yeah. And so listen in so SQL 2016, uh, SQL Server 2016 looks like many many things there. The first thing I saw announced um when we were looking at analysis services was parallel processing for uh partitions inside tabular models which yep. uh again should make a substantial difference to the processing time. Yes, and, and yeah, it
1: definitely I mean this is something I was lacking for a long time. So no. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it, it could potentially hammer your SQL Server database that you have on, on, yes, on the indeed. covers. But uh, in general, yeah, it definitely increases processing time for mm. mostly larger models when you have a lot of production. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. And and different I.O. channels and things as well in many cases. Yes. The, um, one thing that seems significantly different in 2016 is the breadth of functions that have been added to DAX. Uh, yeah, I think uh, the, the, they seem to have done inter- amazing work on that. Well, the
1: interesting thing here is uh, the way that it kind of works now is we actually have multiple teams working on our services. Mm-hmm. Uh, because we have the Excel team, they're working mm-hmm. on enhancing Power Pivot, they're enhancing new things there. We have the Power BI Desktop team who are enhancing Parvia yep. Desktop. But by doing that, they're all enhancing and. uh we have Power BI service. They're making tweaks and changes to analysis service because we ourselves are the biggest hosting platform for analysis service in the world because Power BI, mm-hmm. every workbook that is there, is hosting analysis services. So they're making tweaks to how models are being loaded and queries are being processed and a tons of things happening in that engine that actually hasn't been really shipped to customers in a long, long time. Yeah. I think probably the big... The biggest uh, change that we did, the last big change is probably that we did for Tabular that shipped to customers in SQL Server 2012 SP1. Mm-hmm. And in SQL Server 2014 we didn't ship much uh, new yeah. functionality inside of the, the engine, but doesn't mean that engine hasn't been sitting still for years, mm-hmm. because when we did Parvi App 65, when we did Office 16, when we did via uh, Desktop Development, it all mm-hmm. was added to Power BI desktop. So, the best thing, mostly, that I actually think about analysis service in 2016 is, I don't think we've ever had a release of an analysis service that has been that well tested, because mm. it's been running in production. The same engine that is going to ship in SQL Server 2016 has been running in production in Power BI for months
0: now. Yeah.
1: And uh, no, yeah, so that,
0: that's awesome.
1: Yeah, and and that's that's also the big benefit. Like all these new DAX functions. We added mm. uh, mostly the Power BI team added it, yep. and we're taking benefit of it heavily. Uh, mm. So that's pretty cool. So we get more people working on the analysis engine than we have than we ever had before. Mm. Uh, and we, the SQL Server 2016 team, are more most focused on like uh, enterprise-like features and things, but we get yeah. a bunch of
0: other things.
1: Yeah, the benefits itself.
0: come straight through. Yeah, it's great. The One of the things uh, also uh, that appeared fairly early on was uh, that the, the queries that were generated by direct query uh, seemed to be simpler and better now. Yeah. And so it, it tended to hammer the source of the data much more before than what it does now.
1: Yeah, exactly. So, uh, again, this is, uh, again, and something that Power BI is also heavily invested in, 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 in mm. direct Query. And one of the big things that we started on early on was actually figuring out what, what was going on. And, the, and exactly the thing you were mentioning, Gavos, the biggest problem that we had before is when a query comes into analysis, and there's actually multiple layers here. Uh, first of all, the DAX queries that were sent by View were mm-hmm. very verbose in Chetty. Yep. So it had to send a lot of DAX queries to get some information. So by introducing this new DAX functions and the project we call SuperDAX internally, mm-hmm. uh, we've re- reduced that by, for example, uh, we introduced variables in in, in DAX. And yes. by introducing variables, you can now store the value of an expression mm-hmm. in, a, in a measure once, and reuse it like four or five times. So
2: mm-hmm.
1: now... That same query where you in the past have to send five times, you, you don't have to do that anymore. You can do it once.
0: Yeah. Hmm. Uh,
1: so that's one thing. And, and
0: that's a huge difference on the queries at the back end. Yeah, that's for sure.
1: And we actually see a lot of customers who, who are not even using Dara Query, and they are our tap customers that we that we work with here uh, at Microsoft, some, some big customers who are actually trying out SQL Server 2016. And hmm. uh, and by direct connection with us, are allowed to go into production, even with Mm. SQL Server 2016. Uh, By just the sheer fact of updating their server to SQL Server 2016, without actually even doing anything, Mm. we see huge performance improvements. Yeah. By just doing this. They they don't even have to change the model.
0: Actually, in terms of enterprise things and monitoring and so on, uh, they seem to now have embraced extended events more now, too.
1: Yeah, yeah. So it's like, uh, I mean, this was something we were severely lacking. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of the database is going into the X events world, and uh, a lot of the tools are moving into that direction. It's much more lightweight than another mm-hmm. Uh So we do not support that as well. Yeah, and so you can mm-hmm. just go into Yeah, the, uh,
0: it's it's great to see that in place. I, I know years ago uh, I sat through sessions on campus uh, with. Uh, the database engine team, and they were talking about extended events and all the things they were planning and all that. And then it was ironic that the very next session we had was with the analysis services team. So I remember putting my hand up and asking what their planning was around the same thing. And and at the time, I got very blank expressions. <laughs> so yeah. so I came came back. So, I mean, it's really, really excellent to see that, that that's come a long way and that's embedded well in now. Yeah. Um, I also noticed uh, DBCC for analysis services, so consistency checking.
1: Yeah, and I think, uh, so, some of the support calls, this is kind of kind of coming out of one of the support calls that we get. Like, mm-hmm. sometimes it's really hard for even our support engineers to figure out what exactly is going on. So, yeah. we worked with them and, and just implemented the same thing that SQL Server Engine has to be able mm-hmm. to actually check what is going on with your analysis and if there's something wrong. And we actually used DBCC internally as well. So, analysis by... When you do a backup or when you do a restore database or attach-detach, we also run the same diagnostics ourselves. Mm. We use it heavily ourselves as well.
0: Yeah, it's actually really important. Yeah, I think people... People, it, there's this sort of perception that you don't need that unless the product has bugs and things, but but it's not like that. It, it's, uh, unfortunately, the bigger the models in particular, you get these things onto larger servers, and certainly with SQL Server, it, it's, it's very hard for the product because you might have multiple paths to the I.O., you can have, you know, all sorts yeah. of things that can go wrong, and e- even if the product was perfect, I mean, the underlying... Systems and things could lead you into a thing where you write out one path and you read back via the next path, and you get stale data. And I mean, there's there's all sorts of things under the covers that could screw you up. And so, it's really important to be able to have something to go through and check the consistency of that.
1: Yeah, you should see all the stuff that we're doing under the covers for Power BI because I mean, that's what we're doing. We're hosting, we're Mm. putting files on, on on file shares, and we're Attaching, detaching, yeah, to all kinds of servers under the covers. Mm. and uh, Lots of interesting stuff going on there.
0: Yeah, I can imagine. The in, in terms of manageability too, what what's the uh, I suppose the, the the current state of play for AMO, um, uh, the Analysis Services Management Objects. I mean, we've got the new uh, style of sort of JSON based scripting uh, yeah. for the objects. So, what what's your take on sort of like where's that all going?
1: Uh so we so. Uh, One of the biggest things that we've also done in this release is to get rid of the multidimensional development and manageability tools for tabular models,
2: Mm.
1: because uh, that was just one of the hardest pieces. It was really impossible to do anything with the script, honestly, when you wanted to do something with the script for tabular models. Mm. It it was unreadable, and it was not usable, like if you want to do code merges or diffing or any of those things, it was impossible. Mm. So that's why we introduced the new, uh, the new scripting language. Mm -hmm. We also at the same time introduced the new tabular object model, uh, which is the same as AMO, but now for the tabular metadata. Mm -hmm. So AMO is still the place to go when you have multidimensional models, Mm
2: -hmm. and the
1: XMLA is still the place to go when you have uh, multidimensional models, but for the new, Mm -hmm. the new compatibility level that we introduced in SQL Server 2016, when you move to that, then we'll have you. You're going to have to go use the new object model, and you're going to have to use the new scripting language.
2: Mm. Uh,
1: Indeed. Which is, yeah, yeah, much more easier to use in comparison to the uh, XML DDL that we had before. Mm. But I think the, bit, is, the is, most important is
0: there thing any tooling around that as yet in terms of, you know, I'm, I'm just immediately imagining. I'd love to be able to open up uh, two copies of the JSON and and you know start. More, well, I suppose you can use file comparison or JSON comparison tools, but I'm thinking of something that sort of more intelligently works out, yeah, differencing between models and things like that.
1: Uh, I actually know that some of our, uh, uh, like, uh, some of the MVPs out there and have mm-hmm. actually already well, worked, like the, uh, what was it, it's, uh, the, uh, the BIMO comparer? Mm. Like, uh, it's written by, uh, Christian, Christian Wade. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, that actually already updates it and it actually works with the new mm-hmm. uh, JSON script. So there are Excellent. already some people out there are starting to work on this and it's uh, mm. actually embraced pretty heavily with some of the community uh, tools already. Mm. So I, I think we'll definitely get, get there. But even the out-of-the-box uh, file comparer from Visual Studio actually works pretty good.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's, it's quite a good tool. I was just thinking the... Uh, uh, It'll do a great job on the files, but it's more a case of having a higher level concept of what's different rather than, uh, necessarily yeah. just, you know, row by row the contents of the file. Yeah. No, that, that's awesome. And the, um, yeah. and of course the tooling them, uh, tools themselves have now migrated to a Visual Studio 2015 shell. Yep.
1: Yeah. I think, uh, uh this is and
0: me. also a standalone sort of release with, uh, so we, we lose the SSDT and the SSDT BI and so on. It all just becomes SQL Server data tools in a single releasable object, uh, package.
1: Yeah, and I think that's also pretty good because yeah, in the past it was just a nightmare. We had two different versions. No one really understood where to go and, and we're still working through fixing that because people are still a little bit confused about where to go because we keep on changing mm. it. Right, first was JIT, yeah. then it was SDTBI, then now we're back to SDT. Like, uh, it changed a lot. Yeah. Now, I think the, the on one, it?
0: the one where it became the most confusing is when they had SQL Server Data Tools and inside it there was a thing that said SQL Server Data Tools. <laughs> As another thing, we went, hang on. <laughs> yeah. it was a re- recursive program, yes. <laughs> it yeah. sounded like it anyway. The, um, yeah, no, that, that, I that's think, awesome.
1: But I think but I think probably for the tools, the biggest thing that's going to happen is not whatever has already happened. Because, yes, Visual Studio 2015, that's great. Uh, mm-hmm. and you know But I think the biggest thing is we're also, just like SDT for the SQL guys, we're also planning to keep on updating every month. Yes. So
0: and so, and so it's not packaged with the product itself. But the product itself will have presumably links to say here's where you can go and get the tools. Yep. But, but yep. it's not actually in the media or in the, well, uh, the download with the product itself.
1: We will probably have two versions of the tools. Mm-hmm. Uh, just like SDT has today. Uh, SDT has an RTM bit that mm-hmm. are more stable and some, because some customers do not want to install preview build, builds for development mm-hmm. work. So we'll yep. have a, built that kind of is the typical RTM cycle, SP cycle, no new features. Mm-hmm. We'll have a version of that. And we'll have a preview version where we update things like, I can imagine us adding a better DAX experience Yes, soon. Or, mm. for example, one of the annoying things you have to do today is actually install a tabular instance somewhere mm. uh, before you can actually start development. So maybe we'll do the same thing as yeah. probably a desktop that you just yeah. start. And we'll take care of it for you under the covers. Hmm. Like, really start to improve the experience that we have in there. And yeah. you don't have to wait for a new SQL release. We will, we'll, the first month after SQL Server 2016 ships, we'll we'll have some new updates.
0: Yeah, so, yeah, that's been uh, that's, really successful with uh, with Power BI Desktop and things like that. Actually, one of the things that they do uh which i'm hoping the analysis services team oh sorry the, the tooling area for this does the same uh but they tend to have permalinks that go to a config file that tell you and so the idea is it, it becomes easy to automate grabbing the latest version
1: i think so the idea right now what we have is leverage the visual studio update mechanism mm-hmm. so just like visual studio gets updates and just like http gets updates that's what we'll yep. follow suit so Actually, exactly it would
0: be really impressive as well. Uh, is there a move towards having the updates uh, be be more incremental rather than the entire thing coming down each time? Because um, one of the issues before is that every time you wanted another little bit of uh, a later version or a patch or something, it was another gigabyte download. And
1: Yeah.
0: And so, yeah, yeah I'm kind of a- hoping there might be some move to smaller update packages somehow.
1: Yeah. Yeah, we're going to have to
0: mm. see how that works. But I think, uh, yeah. It, yeah. Mm. No, that's cool. And the uh, and in terms of, uh, basically, th- there's, I suppose, more support now for uh, new types of objects in the tabular. So, for example, a calculated table has now been added. Yeah.
1: yeah, so, again, those are some of the features that we, like, I think some of the modeling capabilities that we've added are, Calculated tables where you can actually create a DAX expression that stores the results into the table, just like a calculated mm-hmm. column. Uh, but probably the biggest thing in terms of modeling is that we now support bidirectional directional cross-filtering, which mm-hmm. allows you to have, uh, like, this original many-to-many pattern, you can now easily do inside of the table model without you having to write some complicated back expressions.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah actually the the many many to many i don't know it's always one that um i struggle with a bit because the thing is even in multidimensional it it can represent it quite comfortably the thing i find more problematic is getting the customers to understand the outcome of things based on a many to many model in the first place um because the, they start agree, to ask but... yeah they t- they ask questions that don't make sense and and that's one of the challenges here
1: yeah but it was one of the things that was requested heavily Uh, But Mm -hmm. the interesting thing is we now support a traditional many-to-many thing in in tabular, just like what we did in MoLab. But the more interesting fact, actually, is that we also support, like, you can do all kinds of interesting other things now. For example, if you have a sales table and you have dates and you also have a product table and you want to see how many products were sold in a certain day, Mm -hmm. you couldn't really do that without writing DAX. So now you just turn on bi and cross-filtering and, and it automatically start, starts working. So there's more scenarios besides the many to many that are easily possible with this than mm-hmm. ever before. So it's, I think it's just like variables, both the bi and cross-filtering and the variables are things that have yet to be discovered what cool stuff we can actually go do with it. Mm. Uh, so we, 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 We've served them. We sold them for a few things that we already know. But knowing like a bunch of these guys, like Marco and Alberto and and Chris mm. and and a bunch of the MVPs out there, who are going to come up with some crazy things to do with it, I think it's going to mm. be a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, I found um, actually parent-child is the other one was was a, a heavy discussion all the time. The the thing I used to again find with parent-child is that. Uh, Up on the site for, with, um, things like BIDS Helper and so on, they had a sort of a a dimension naturalizer that would take the parent-child things and sort of naturalize or flatten them out effectively. The, I mean, that was more limiting, but the outcome was actually much more high performing as well. Yeah. I think,
1: honestly, the the parent-child is one of the biggest requests that people Mm. vocabulary uh, that that people want. So that is also something that we're looking at going to do uh, post SQL Server 2016. Uh, mm-hmm. But again, yes, because in multi-dimensional everything is being done on the fly, which makes yep. it, the performance unpredictable. Uh, <laughs> tabular just is a little bit of a different uh, engine, so we can probably go do uh, something different there that will make it more, much more performance.
0: yeah. Actually, one other one I was going to ask in term, just minor differences between the two, but but again, if you look at KPIs, um, in Tabular we we have sort of value, goal, and status, but in multidimensional we also had trend. And yeah. is, is there a, a and we can kind of build that by just having another KPI for the trend. Um, but I'm just sort of wondering, is the direction towards maybe adding that in, or uh, or that this uh, would always be done with a separate KPI?
1: Uh, it, I don't think we we have lots of customer feedback that that asks us that we mm. also want to get the trend so mm. until we get more loud and clear um
0: uh, yeah it's just one of one of the it? things hmm it's just one of the things that's kind of different between the two we yeah. you know, we sort of Notice that. I think the the, only, the other one in that area is named SETS, um, so being able to define in the model, yeah, these are the top 10 customers and so on.
1: Yeah, that's definitely something that's pretty high on the list mm,
0: mm. as well.
1: Yeah, I think uh, the, the, the interesting fact as well now that we're more back on the SQL Server's box side, like shipping mm. SQL Server 2016 and beyond, is that we're yep. also going to be more customer-oriented and more uh, we won't go online hmm. for two years. Yeah, yeah,
2: so we'll yeah. See, we'll <laughs> indeed.
1: See things and then we get more feedback and then we, 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 we'll tweak our plan. Hmm. Hmm. So we'll see how that Actually,
2: goes.
1: Actually, I,
0: we'll I, uh, I noticed PowerShell also got a bit of an enhancement this time to, to also talk with the new tabular model scripting language and so on as well. And so yeah I think the the idea of having uh the rich scripting nature of this version I mean obviously it doesn't uh you know affect a a a business analyst or someone like that but somebody doing professional work uh, so that the all these scripting options and things are going to make a really big difference.
1: Yeah I think uh, yeah we we the biggest problem is because we moved to this uh new shell all this was broken. Right. Mm. You couldn't use, because you cannot use AMO anymore at the latest compatibility level, even our own mm. tools that were using AMO under the covers didn't work anymore. So yeah. we had to update them, and while we were there, we actually added some new uh, command as well, especially for Tabular, like process mm-hmm. table and things like that we added, Uh just to make it more natural, because otherwise, if you want to do process of the table, you had to actually call process dimension or something, which is yeah. really odd
0: yeah which is it was kind of strange it it it's been good in tabular though as well the fact that you can sort of process any of the tables independently that that i actually see that as an upside too because i mean it was it's unlike in multi dimensional where one depends on the other and so on yeah yeah definitely Hmm. actually one one another big one for us uh that i I'm wondering where it's at is authentication um because it's always been uh, just very much tied to Windows authentication, and we had no equivalent of uh, SQL authentication that we have in the database engine. Uh, and now, of course, there's Azure Active Directory, you know, yep. be- becoming an option for various things. Um, I'm just sort of wondering, what's the likely authentication story? Because part of the thing that uh, causes a big problem with Power BI um, is the mapping of the... Uh, the uh, IDs or identities from Power BI back into the on-premises ones, particularly uh, if we have things like a, a machine in a work group rather than in a, in a domain, we, we currently have no solution.
1: Well, I think uh, so there, so there are several things. The interesting mm. thing, and again, this is something where the cloud already runs ahead, but the yeah. cloud actually already supports a different mechanism. Mm. So it already supports Azure AD because that's what all the Power BI... Works under. Yep. It just hasn't shipped on the box yet. So it will come at Mm. one point. It will have more and different styles of authentication. And the other thing that I know they're working on is a way for you to be able to kind of map users. Yeah. Between uh, Power BI and on-prem. So Mm. you can do the mapping inside of Power BI saying all these users need to do, you need to translate this into something else. That's something that is also coming that's going to be part of the enterprise mm.
0: gateway yeah 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 I think I think one of the things that has held it back a bit is is the uh just that there's so many things with uh, the SQL server database engine where the fallback position you know from other products or other technologies or whatever has always been the well, just make a SQL server login instead yeah. you know, and just yeah there hasn't been that sort of equivalent in uh, analysis services where you can go, you know, here's another way of coming in where it could authenticate the user or, or something else. Yeah. Um, yeah, was,
1: uh, that is mm, another one pretty big on our list
0: to go do. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. The actually one of the things that we've found, uh, it's actually been one of the hardest things for us with Power BI is the whole identity management thing. Um, and so what, what used to happen is that we go into sites and we could, Deal with the BI people, and we could complete a project all by ourselves. Um, but now, with the dependency on uh, the hybrid AD, and, and, you know, and when there wasn't a mapping, it also meant you had to have a hybrid AD in place to to really get by. And the problem is that then ties in the sort of the IT network folk and so on, who particularly if they have to make changes and things aren't uh, you know in many sites aren't aren't the most helpful uh, in doing that. Uh, and the other big one is that we've had sites where it ties in additional dependencies that have no relevance to us at all. So, so for example, I was doing work at a local government place, and as soon as we tried to use Power BI and have it connect to an on... They have an on-premises uh, analysis services tabular. Uh, but to be able to get hybrid AD working, the problem is they had started to do an Office 365 project and it and it was on hold because uh, they had some add-on called Objective or something that was the, it was an add-on for Outlook, uh, which wouldn't work properly in the Office 365 uh, environment. And so they then put that hybrid AD project on hold. And then, you know, so it just sort of went on down the track. And so we suddenly ended up, instead of being able to do projects ourselves, we suddenly had a dependency on some Outlook add-in that we'd never heard of. You know, suddenly yeah. became part of our project.
1: Yeah, it's a it's a blessing and a curse at the
0: mm. same time. <laughs> yeah, but mind you, I think uh, Azure Active Directory is an awesome thing itself. Right? So, yeah, I, I mean, think yeah, it's uh, uh,
1: mm. I think this custom mapping will definitely help in a case like that. You can just sign uh, mm. up Power BI. It doesn't necessarily have to be AD sync. Uh, and then you'll be able to, because you can sign on with your, with your corporate credentials.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or no,
1: even with
0: any, any, Yeah, and as I said, I, I think some of those things, yeah, had there been an alternate way to connect, um, and as I said, particularly important, I find as well, is to be able to support, uh, work group people in some way, uh, because I'll see people who'll spin up a, um, a, a license on, I don't know, Amazon, just in a standalone machine or something. It's not in a domain. And again, just having some way of being able to connect to right. that to do row-level security and things. Um, yeah. Oh, actually, that's some changes in that too. That, that's actually got better support now too, doesn't it?
1: Um, we, we haven't changed that much inside of analysis. The, only, the biggest thing that we mm-hmm. did is actually enable it for direct Query, which we didn't do before. But yep. I think the big change now is there's also available inside of Power BI.
0: Right. Yeah, it's got its own version of row level security as well, doesn't it? So it can it, honor, it, it honors the one that happens if you connect to tabular, but it's also got this sort of standalone version.
1: Yeah, but it's mostly, it's, it's only the covers using the same features. Hmm. Yeah, it's doing the same thing.
0: Hmm. No, good, 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 good. So yeah, yeah, I think the, and anything else you see, uh, notable that we've sort of missed in around there, or that, that's the vast majority of things? Uh,
1: I think probably the one big thing that we haven't done talked about yet mostly is like we now support MDX for Dara query. Ah uh, like, yes. So Dara query before was nice, uh but it wasn't performant and then you couldn't use Excel. So mm. probably two of the biggest blockers out there. So we it's now more performant and plus the biggest thing is you can use Excel to connect to it.
0: Yeah. Is it still um got to be, from memory, uh the whole table? You can't do it on a petition basis still?
1: No, it's still going to be, it's all or nothing.
0: Yeah, it's all or nothing for the table, yep.
1: Yeah. It was just exactly one of the things I often
0: used to see with uh, whole app, roll app, mole app, that was that people had run mole app for everything except, you know, a tiny, I don't know, today's petition or something, and they'd run roll app.
1: Yeah. And again, that's definitely something that we want to go address as well. But I think mm. it's going to be interesting to see where, where this is going because, uh,
2: mm.
1: we see much more data source who are becoming faster and faster and yeah. more and more data that doesn't fit in memory or so they want to do like a combination. Like I, I only want that this piece of memory because in general, especially the Vertica engine is going to be faster than most mm. the other things out there. Even when you have a huge Netiza uh, or whatever it is, uh, and our service VertiPack engine is just built for analysis. Hmm. Uh, and so it's going to be much faster than anything else. But the downside is, yeah, today you have to load everything in memory. Yeah. Um, so if people want to say, OK, I still want to look at this uh, 200 terabyte uh, data, uh, I, may, I might want to load in the current year in memory. And then the rest, the history, will we have to just wait a little bit longer. But it's still fast enough because, like, they use column store index or they use CQLW or or things like that. Hmm. So I think it's going to be interesting to see in the next couple of years where it is going and how much people are going to have fast, really faster data sources, like hmm. the warehouse, column store enabled, and and that's where dark query will become more interesting then.
0: Hmm. Do, do you see? Uh, um, I think one of the things I find is that. The thinking in the design of a lot of these things nowadays is towards very large amounts of memory going forward. Uh, yet a lot of the guys who are provisioning virtual machines and things are still very much in the, I don't know, thinking about file service and things and for them, you know, 32 gig of memory is still a lot of memory. You know. Um, but, but trying to get them to think in terms of, you know, very large amounts of memory. I,
1: uh, I think memory is it's going to be more use more and more. You, can, you see it even today in the mm. VMs that are getting uh, created in Azure, like 60 yeah. gigs, and, and those kinds of mm. numbers are pretty, pretty normal. Yes. So yeah, I definitely. No, no, think,
0: indeed. Yeah, because uh, I know, know in, in the people, hardware sizing uh, guide for Tabular, you know, they really are talking substantial amounts of memory.
1: Yeah. As I said, we have some customers who have multiple terabyte models.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, they have. Of course, they have everything in memory, so they have some pretty interesting machines.
0: Yeah, indeed. Actually, one other area I did mean to ask you about is uh, localization and translations and things. That was something that was uh, uh, again yes. missing uh, between the yeah, two. I think, so,
1: so I'm originally from Europe, where we. Mm-hmm. It. It's actually interesting to see because in the US, this never comes up.
2: Yeah, indeed.
1: <laughs> but uh, in Europe, it's very common. Like, yeah, it happens all the time. When you want to even do a project in Belgium, you have to do it. You have to have this. If your product does not mm-hmm. support it, you, you're gone. Yeah. So that was one of the blockers for Tabular. And people kind of got away with it by using this Helper. But mm-hmm. uh, the problem was, yeah, it wasn't really supported. So some people were not comfortable with it. And actually, we were not really comfortable with it either uh, because now it's kind of Broken. People who use Bits Helper and the app translation, they're going to have to
0: redo it. Mm. So there's now detailed support for this. Um, so yeah, at the so model now, level, there's a, a managed translations window and things now, isn't there? Yeah,
1: exactly. So we now supported build into it's now supported functionality and feature inside of our services.
0: Mm-hmm. And so is it similar capability? I haven't actually looked at it yet, but is it similar capability to what was there in Multidimensional?
1: Yep, it's most, yeah, the, the biggest difference is, is metadata only. We don't have data translations yet. Mm-hmm. Like in multidimensional, you can say when you connect to a model, say, in, when data gets returned for this column, uh, return this from the French column and return mm-hmm. this from the English column. We don't have that support yet.
0: But it's yeah, the metadata okay.
1: itself, the column names, the measure names that are translated.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep, okay. Now, that's, that's good. Actually, I think that's probably the main things. The, um, oh, I suppose one thing, uh, is that in, um, the tooling, we used to have a really rich pivot table and then we got the, uh, not so rich pivot table, um, in 2012 because they said the office web component had to disappear. Yeah. Um, they did give us the button to go click, you know, look at this in Excel, uh, and, but, and we got the same thing in Management Studio, but I'm just sort of wondering, is there a chance that we'll get like a, a better pivot table in there at some point, or is that what, quite tricky to do? Well,
1: yes. Yeah. First of all, it's really expensive to build. Okay. So, but what I'm banking on is that Power BI will add an amazing custom visual
0: uh,
1: that is similar. We <laughs> should be able to, to borrow. <laughs> that I should be able to borrow and put in the tools. Yeah, exactly. That's that's what I'm yeah. hoping on.
0: Yeah. No, that, that that sounds like a good plan. And so, so pretty much bringing us up to time, but um, so Casper, what have you got coming up? With anybody or events or anything? Somebody see you anywhere or, uh, or
1: exactly you? I think we're first like finalizing SQL Server 2016 and then uh, like the big events are going to come up is like Ignite and uh, Tech and uh, SQL Pass after that. So yeah. lot of them, and uh, of course, yeah, the SQL launch events happening all over the place. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah, so, it's lots that's of good. And kind of,
0: following uh, you particularly, blogging or those sort of areas?
1: Yeah, I, I'm mostly currently blogging on the Al services blog and the other, some of the other things that I'm working on right now is uh, I like a white paper on uh, bi-directional cross-sheltering. Mm-hmm. It's going to be interesting. Like all the gory details of how it works and why you want to use it and what's going on.
2: I look and forward I'm, to that. Working, that's good.
1: I'm working on that. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that's, Mostly oh, we're correct. really we're really head down with finishing and tidying up and releasing SQL mm-hmm. Server twenty sixteen. That's what all the energy has been spent on.
0: Yeah. Look, we're totally looking forward to it and uh thanks so very much for your time today.
1: Yeah, thank you. It was great. Great talking to you. Awesome. Good. Thank you so much.